is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. Well, let me start by uh, asking you a question. Why are you here? Uh, Why are you in church today? What is the point of you getting up this morning, coming to church, putting on the mask, coming through those doors? Why didn't you just sleep in or do something else, something different? Or maybe if you're watching online, why are you watching online, whether it's live now or lying in bed tonight or sometimes in a few weeks? Why are you watching this? What's the point of any of it? Seriously, that's the kind of the main question. Say, what is the point of any of this? And uh, the reason we're doing this, this series, the reason we're doing this Belong series is to ask the question, what is the point? Why do we do any of this? And it's a time in soci- society that we're really asking that question, aren't we? Why do we do what we do? Maybe your workplace, your, your job, you're thinking, why for years did I spend hours and hours every week getting up early, ramming into a packed train or bus and going to an office when it turns out I could have done my job from home this whole time and saved a lot of money and had a lot more sleep? Why? Why are we doing it? Maybe a few weeks with your house, you've had to spend a lot of time in your house or your flat, around your housemates or your partner, your spouse, whatever it is, your kids, for a long, long time. You're like, I'm sick of this house. Why am I here? I want to be somewhere else. Maybe it's a relationship. You spent a lot of time around this person for a long time and you're thinking, why am I in this relationship? And it's a good time to be asking these questions because we have a chance to really establish how we want to live in the coming weeks, the coming months, and coming years. Now, when it comes to what church is about, the why of church, it's not too difficult to understand what the answers are. See, we're going to look in the Bible, the, the, the God who made us and who made church gives us the answers. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, tried to study a certain topic in the Bible, And you're like, I'm not really sure what the Bible's saying on this. It's not particularly clear. Maybe you went with a specific theme or question. Like I remember when I was a teenager trying to to look in the Bible. What does the Bible say about drugs? Classic kind of teenage boy question to think, what does my Bible say? I think, I'm trying to find the verses, looking in the concordance. Like, Where's the words? I'm not, what's it say? Look, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to what is church, the Bible leaves no room for confusion. There are so many verses, so many chapters. You don't need to have a PhD in theology. You don't have to be fluent in Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew to understand what the Bible says. It is crystal clear when it comes to the church. And the Bible makes it very clear. Church is family. Church is family. Through the verses, through the chapters, through every story throughout the Bible, it's clear. The people of God, we are a family, a household, a loving body, united together by our Father in heaven. And there's so many examples of this. We could spend the whole sermon today just reading verse after verse after verse after verse after verse of just passage after passage explaining why we are family. I'll just give you one here in Ephesians 2.19. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, distant from one another. No, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members 
of the household of God. You're in God's household. You're part of his home. You're part of his family. You're no longer distant from one another. No, you are in the house of God, the family of God. And what about Jesus? What about when Jesus teaches us to pray? The famous passage, the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, whether you're a Christian or not, maybe you've said this thousands of times growing up in school. The Lord's Prayer. How does it start? When Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us to come to God, what, as servants or slaves or soldiers before a general? No. How does the prayer start? Our Father. We come as children, as daughters and sons, brothers and sisters. And note that it says, our Father. It doesn't say, my Father. You know, you sometimes hear Christians say things like, hey, look, my faith, my uh, uh, kind of religion, it's all about me and God. It's just about us. You know the truth? That's not the case. It's not just about you and Jesus. It's not just about you and God. It's about us, a family, a people. Jesus taught us not to pray my father, but it's our father. The Christian life cannot be done alone. That's not one of the options available to us. If you're a follower of God, you don't do this on your own path. You do this as family. And the the source, the root of all of this, how we come to this conclusion is expressed so beautifully in what's known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. And in this passage in John 17, Jesus prays for his people. Now you might say, I'm trying to work out what God's will is for my life. I'm trying to work out what does God want for my life? And the specifics of that, well, it's not always clear, but there is one thing that is very, very clear that God wants for your life. And Jesus prays this in his high priestly prayer in John 17. He says this, I do not ask for these things only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be as one, as one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. I mean, that passage alone is just dripping in truth. We could have not just a whole sermon, but a whole sermon series based on those verses. So rich in what we learn from it. And what's it saying? Well, it's saying the church is family. Why? Because God is family. Father and Son and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, three persons, one God. The family of God, one but three Loving one another from eternity past to eternity future. The heart of God is a loving family. You might wonder, why the Trinity? Like, this is one of the most confusing things in the Christian faith. Like, what, three and one? Well, actually, the, the beauty of the Trinity is it shows that at the heart of God is loving family. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. 
And our unity, our unity here as brothers and sisters is an overflow of the unity of the Trinity. It's all an outcome, an overflow of the Trinity. And it's a symbol, a sign of God, of who he is. In in those passages it says, because of, of, of what we have and what they have, the world will see that I am with them. And Jesus says this again in John 13, 35. He says, by this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples. Just pause there for a second. What's the one thing that is going to make Christians stand out in our world? This is what Jesus says. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. This is how the world will know that you are a follower of Jesus. Not some political persuasion or some fish on the back of your car or the fact that you don't swear as much as your colleagues. No, the main thing that will make you stand out, that will be a sign to the watching world, is how we love one another. And it's simple. If you know God, you love God's family. If you know God's love, you love God's family. Again, just dispelling some myths. If you've ever heard anyone say, hey, I love God, but I hate the church. What that says is, hey, I I love God, but I hate his family. You can't have those two. If you love God, you love his family. They're completely linked and can't be separated. Don't get that confused. So what does it look like to be one, to be family, to love God? one another. Well, to establish what it looks like to be family, it's helpful to look out what it's not like to be family, the things that church isn't. So first of all, church isn't a service. Church isn't a service. And by that, I don't mean a Sunday service. I mean a service or a charity. Church isn't a service. See, in a, in a, in a service, in a charity, there's two roles. Those who are giving the service and those who are receiving the service. And often those who are giving it are smaller in number and those who are receiving it are much larger. And those who are giving only give and those who receive only receive. And that is how it works in a service or charity. But what does it look like if church becomes a service or charity? Well, we turn up to church thinking, I'm here to receive. I'm here to get some stuff. I better be fed by this. So if I'm not fed well here, I'll find somewhere else that will feed me well. Or if we're asked to serve, maybe you've been coming for for a while and someone says, hey, would you be happy to help out with some of the hosting or with the kids' work? And you think, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the customer here. Like I I chose you guys. There's a lot of other options. I'm, I'm here to receive. You want me to serve and why do they keep the new church forward slash give me give i'm here to receive i'm i'm not taking my wallet out you better give me something to put in it and that, that that's the mindset we get into if church becomes a service and if you stop getting what you came to receive or maybe the need runs out maybe you've had your spiritual kick for a while then you just move on maybe to a a new thing a new kick a, a new thing to spend your sunday doing Now, as church, we are a charity. I mean, as our status, you can see our charity number. We are a charity, and we love to serve. A lot of you might not see this, but during the week, every week, people flooding through our doors receiving from the food bank. Faithful people in the church serving all throughout coronavirus, giving food to those who need it. 
we love to serve. Countless times throughout the past 18 months, people serve in their communities. It's amazing. We love to serve. Jesus taught us to serve. But as a church, we're not solely and primarily a charity or a service. Because if we're just a service, then we're just about transaction. And church is not about that. Secondly, church isn't a society. In a society, people gather together for some political or philosophical purposes. You gather to achieve something. And uh, that could be, for example, uh, you're you're, um, trying to promote the Labour Party society. Not an easy job at the moment, but that might be your... Not trying to stir the pot, but, you know, I pray for you guys. But in a society, you're about the pursuit. You're not about the people. See, if you're gathering together for your Labour Party meetings, you're not going to spend half your time going around the circle saying, hey, how are you doing at the moment? Like, how's things going with the kids? Like, wait, let, let's spend a couple hours just, you know, trying to help you. No, no, you're going to say, hey, we need to get these votes. How are we going to start canvassing? How are we going to start getting out into society? How are we going to spin this or help with that or promote that? Because in a society, you're about the pursuit, not the people. And when your goal is achieved, then often there's not much point of having your society. And you often see in societies when they achieve their goal, they kind of, whether it's Brexit or whatever, it's like you're kind of lingering on trying to still exist. And it's like, what's the point of you anymore? You've achieved your thing, now move on, disband. There's no point anymore. But church isn't a society. Yes, we are all about action. All about action. But also, we're not just about that mission. Yes, we're about the mission. We long to see the the kingdom of God advance. But we're not just about getting stuff done. We're not just comrades who stand side by side. We're brothers and sisters who stand face to face. We're not just comrades who stand side by side walking into the battlefield or colleagues in the boardroom. No, we're brothers and sisters in the living room and in the hospital room, taking time to cry together and mourn together and laugh together and rejoice together. That's not wasted time for us. Not all about being as efficient and productive as we can be because we're family. And yes, we take action, but we're not just a society. That's not what church is. Thirdly, church isn't a social club. See, in a a, a social club, you're um, you're all about a hobby. If a society is all about a purpose, a goal, a social club is all about a bit of fun, having fun together. Now, that could be rock climbing or cycling or knitting or bird watching or battle reenactment. It's about having fun with other people. And I love clubs. I've, uh, all throughout my life, I, as a kid, I was in scouts, in football club, in, and throughout my adult years, I've absolutely loved being parts of clubs, some of the best memories of my life. But the thing with a club is, uh, as great as they are, if you get bored of the hobby, of the thing you're doing together, then you just move on. I was part of an ultimate Frisbee club at university. It was fun. I got a bit bored of it, and I left. 
that's just what I did. It was fun. Like, it was great. But when you got bored of it, you just moved on. Or maybe in a, in a club, you liked it at the beginning. Like, when it wasn't very well known, not that many people were doing it. But then you don't like how more and more people are joining. And you don't like how it used to be small and intimate like it used to be. Like, remember the good old days when you knew everyone. You could all be together at the same time. Everyone knew how things worked. Like I, I miss those days. And to be honest, I, I've heard of another club that works a bit differently, a bit like how I used to know when it was small and intimate. And, and yeah, I'm just going to kind of reject this one and join a new club. And that's fine in a club. That's, that's okay. But it's not okay in family. See, if, if church is like a club that when the fun is up or when it's, it's not really kind of giving you the entertainment you once wanted, maybe there's been a few bands in a row you think, oh, I don't like the worship like I used to. <laughs> the sermons are getting a little bit dull now. Community. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple in the group I get on with, but two-thirds of the group are just weird. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to keep going to this thing anymore. I've, I've got a good line of excuses for every week now because I ain't going back to that place. See, church is often not fun at all. Often you find you're, you're giving more than you're receiving. Sometimes it's painful. The honest truth, probably the worst pain in my life was caused by other Christians in the church. Deep pain. Pain that affects you for years and years and years. As much as you forgive, you see those things. You, you, you might even be in the room with people who've hurt you. It hurts. And if church is a club, then just move on. Just give up. But church isn't a club. We're family. And if church is just a club, then it's all about satisfaction. But church isn't about that. Church isn't a service all about transaction. It isn't a society all about action or a social club all about transaction. No, it's a family all about love. When it's boring, we love. When it's repetitive, we love. When it's just annoying, we love. When it's painful, we love. We love. And this isn't the way of the world. Let's be very clear about this. This isn't the kind of natural way as human beings we are wired. This isn't what you're going to see in society around us. No, this is not the way of the world. This is the way of the master. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way of the church. It's part of Jesus' upside-down kingdom, this countercultural, doesn't-make-sense kingdom that Jesus leads us into. It's why it makes us stand out. It's why Jesus says, this is how they'll know that you're his disciple, because this isn't the norm. People won't look and be like, oh, yeah, I get that. No, it's going to confuse people. It's going to stand out. And it's why since the, the beginning of the church, this has always been our way. We read in Acts 2 some of just the most enjoyable verses in the Bible to read. Chapter 2 of Acts, where the church began, where our family began, where our forefathers came from. What do we see? A family that loves. A family that's together. That gave their two most valuable possessions, which are what? Our time and our treasure. Two most valuable things we have. It says the, the early church, they devoted their time to gathering together, to serving one another. 
And it says that they gave to one another generously to all who had need. Why? Out of obligation or heavy heart or there was some sort of membership fee that you had to give to be part of the family. No, they gave out of love. Read verse 46 in Acts. It says, they gave out of glad and generous hearts. This was the delight of family, to give to one another. And the church is a family that loves one another, and that love is expressed in giving. For God so loved, he gave. And we give what is most valuable to us, our time and our treasure. And we know that. That makes sense. When you love something, you give money to it. Jesus says it. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You spend money on what you care about. You spend money on what you care about. It's the same with the church. Why do we spend significant portions of our income on giving to the church family? Because we love them. This is our family. And that makes no sense to the world. It, when, when someone would ask you about, okay, if they wanted to say, well, what do you give your life, your time, your money? It doesn't make sense at all. They'd say, well, why? Why not spend that on a nicer extension or a better holiday? Why not give your Sunday mornings to a lion or just chilling out or your midweeks? You've, you've been at work all day and you're going to go to a community group? Have you not seen that latest Netflix show? Surely that would be more fun. Than, I've seen some of the people in your group and they are weird. Like you really want to spend your Wednesday nights on Zoom with those people. Like that makes no sense to me. And of course it doesn't. But we don't do it out of some, oh, well, I have to. This is just what we have to do, I guess, as Christians. No, we do it because we're family. We love one another. You might hear people say, yeah, I'm all about family, family first. Yeah, we are. And not family that's just bound together from blood or DNA. No, we are bound by something far deeper than that. Much deeper than blood. Much deeper than DNA. We are bound by the blood of Jesus. We are his children. And so we don't say, oh, I guess, I guess I better give. They keep saying that slash give thing. Oh, I guess I better serve. No, no, no. We give because we love. That is our motivation. And I want to encourage you, if, if even, this, even this message just feels a bit like, ah, oh, this does feel a bit like heavy or a bit, I, just, I don't know if I can relate to this. Every time I get asked to serve, I, I do just want to find another excuse not to help. Every time I see that stupid newcom.church forward slash give, give, whatever it is, every week, I'm like, give it a break. Like, yes, I haven't increased my giving in 20 years and the Holy Spirit's convicted me, but I just, I don't want to think about that. I've got other pressures at the moment and I just, I, like, let's, next week, next slash give week, I'll come to it then. That's fine. That's fine. If for you, it's just this kind of burden and this heaviness, there's grace for you. There's grace for you. But let me point you back to the, the story that Catherine shared last week, which I think is so, so helpful. The story of the dancer and the headphones. I don't know about you, I never heard that story before, but I found it so helpful. You have this, this just a picture, so if you walk into this room, there's this amazing dancer doing these incredible moves. If you've ever seen me dance, you'll understand just beautiful elegance, and you, you can understand. You see this dancer doing these amazing moves. 
beautiful, just timing, everything. And, and another dancer walks in and thinks, oh, I want that, I want that, I want to be able to do that. But then this new dancer tries in, uh, and kind of can't seem to replicate it and gets tired easily and the timing's off and the joy just goes so quickly and they give up, get disheartened. But what they don't realize is that the first dancer, the beautiful dancer with all the timing and the passion, the joy, they've got those little earphones, 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 their headphones in. And they're listening to this beautiful sound. And they're dancing in response to the music. And the reason they're able to continue with this passion and timing and joy is because they're listening to the sound. And I just want to encourage you. The reason we love is for one reason and one reason only. We love because he first loved us. If you're like, I just, I, I, find, I find it just so hard and heavy. Every time this, the, the thought of giving away or just kind of anything like that, I just, it just feels heavy to me. I, let me encourage you this. I encourage you to do this. Listen again to the sound. Ask Jesus once again to come into your heart. There's no point in me today saying, look, you guys, you really need to work harder, give more, serve more, come on, be good family. No, 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 no. The source of this is him. The source of this is him. You're going to try really hard. In fact, if you haven't got those earphones in, if you can't hear the beat of his heart, You'll make all these good intentions today. I'm go- hey, I'm going to start giving. <laughs> I will serve. I'll stop making up about how I've got this thing or that thing. No, I will. But in a few weeks' time, it's going to be disillusioning again. You're going to come in and someone's going to mistreat you or not thank you. Or it's going to be boring. You're going to be like, why am I doing this again? You'll be looking at your bank statements thinking, oh, actually, now the airlines are waking up again and we can get on holidays again like... If I stop that, then maybe I could get that. All of these things will start happening unless you hear the sound. Unless you hear the sound of the love of Jesus, of the heartbeat of the Father. Unless you hear that, none of this is possible. And I think this series, this moment is such a a pivotal one for us. Because we're kind of in this, this limbo moment between what's come before and what's coming after. Maybe on July the 19th, maybe, who knows. But sometime soon, we'll enter into a new season. And the past 18 months, we've asked a lot of questions. The whys. And we're doing that in our workplaces. Again, yesterday, I spoke to multiple people. Say, hey, what's happening with your, your office? Are they reopening what's happening? It feels like every workplace is changing things to make things better for their employees. And I think that's great. It's amazing. It's amazing that for a lot of you who are used to traveling into London and doing all these long hours, you can work from home more. That's amazing. But one of the things that can subtly happen is that we start to think, well, how can I make church start to work for me a bit more? And I've actually quite liked over the last 18 months how, you know, it's nice how on a Sunday I can watch church whenever I want, can tune into the live stream, at 10.30, see who the band is. Maybe I'll go make a cup of tea, depending who's leading worship. See who's preaching. Definitely going to skip the notices. That's definitely the loo break moment. 
actually, I haven't really enjoyed it the last few weeks. Like, I'll watch it midweek. Like this week, I won't do Sunday. I've got that party happening, but I'll watch it when I missed last Wednesday night. But I'll catch up. I'll catch up. Like it's fine. It's not like anyone will be asking me where I was or anything. And then church restarts, and for a lot of us, it's a bit inconvenient. It's like, oh, now I've got to start getting up again. And it's not really the same, is it? I mean, we haven't had proper, proper church for 18 months. You've got to wear masks. We're not meant to sing, although it's a bit of a joke if you've been to any pub watching the Euros. True story. But it's like, it's not really the same thing. And hey, look, hey, there's limited numbers. So, you know, if I don't go three, four, five, six weeks, it's not that big a deal. Like, you know, we'll start at some point. But my, my, my concern, and I think for many of us, I'm sure you feel the same, is will we start viewing our churches as our workplace? How do I start making new community work for me a bit more? I'm not sure I really want to go back to that weekly thing. I don't know if I want to go back to that serving thing. We're in this amazing moment where we get to rebuild. Everything is up in the air in life right now. We get to decide what is the new normal going to be. You get to decide. What does church family look like for you? Maybe you're someone who streamed every Sunday for six months and never sat uh, in this building. You joined in lockdown. That's awesome. If the stream stops, is that the end of your journey? Or do you step into the family? Maybe you've loved not serving for 18 months and you've loved the flexibility and then there's some sort of news about, hey, hey we're going to be meeting at this time or in this location. And, and you're like, well, it's not quite as convenient for me. Are you going to respond as family? Or a club member? Society member? A colleague? This is a pivotal moment for us. A really exciting moment for us. It's a bit like what Jeremy brought in worship. There's certain fruit that's going to die off, but new fruit that's going to grow. Each one of us, do we just want to go back to the norm? Do you want to go back to this or that? Or do you want to build stronger? Do you want to grow as family? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we enter into this moment, we ask that just as that dancer wears their headphones, we ask that we would just be listening to your spirit right now. Firstly, Lord, I just want to lift up to you some of the, the veterans of this family, some of the, the older brothers and sisters who have laid such a wonderful foundation in this church. Lord, I thank you for every pound, every hour given to this family, often in secret. The faithfulness of many in this room, the foundation laid for people like me, for a younger generation to enjoy that privilege. And Lord, I, I, I pray that you would continue to give strength to those who for many years have wanted to faithfully serve you. I pray, Lord, for the younger generation, that we wouldn't take it for granted the 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 work you've done in those before us. That the stereotypes of us of being lazy and stingy and all these sorts of things, or we 
would not conform ourselves to the patterns of this world, but we'd follow in the footsteps of those who've come before us in this family and serve you with generous, loving hearts. And Father, for all of us where it's just become a bit mundane, especially this past 18 months, it's been such a slog, Lord. You, you know our frame. You know we're weary. You're not wagging your finger at us. You're inviting us into your open arms. I thank you that with this family, Lord, there's always an invitation fueled by your grace. Not having to earn your love as our Father. Already loved, already accepted. Chosen, secure in the knowledge that we are yours. But God, as an overflow, we want to love like you love us. Help us, Lord, where where there's going to be changes, where there's going to be uncertainty, where there's going to be new norms. Help us to be those who love as family. Fill us afresh, Lord, with your spirit. May we never take you for granted. We love you, Lord, and we want to love you and your people in return. Amen.